Hello and welcome to the Queer Thesperience, passing the mic to LGBT plus entertainers. I am your host, Casper Oliver. My pronouns are he, him. I am a bisexual trans man, and I am a performer of primarily immersion theater, voice acting, film, and stage. And here with me, we have a guest today. Would you please introduce yourself, your name, your pronouns, and all that? Yeah, hi, I'm uh, Matt Pacini. My pronouns are they, them. I identify as a non-binary, trans-masculine person. Uh, and yeah, I'm just queer and here. <laughs> here and queer and ready to party. All right, that, that doesn't rhyme, but the energy's there. So, <laughs> so uh, you, when you reached out to me and kind of showed interest in being on the podcast, I... As soon as you told me your story as an actor, especially being a non-binary, trans-masculine actor, I was very interested in having you come on and just share your journey through the acting world. So uh, you've mentioned that you've been performing since you were 14, is that correct? Yes, which is also around the time I came out originally as a trans man back then, uh, which was interesting because I felt like the me coming out as some form of male really clicked and was like, okay, acting, yes, I am comfortable doing that. <laughs> yeah, and I actually made a joke the last episode with uh, Ashley that all queer people, including trans people, are performers of some kind. Even if you're not on stage or on film, you have to be some form of performative in even just your day-to-day -day life. So yeah. <laughs> maybe that's why we gravitate towards theater and film, because we've been doing it our entire lives. <laughs> so where did you start acting so originally i had signed up for uh the like preteen slash teenager classes at the barrel group uh and fell in love with the film and tv aspect generally so then i just kept taking more and more and more classes um and then i started doing like little like uh like theatrical productions um, in the city, like the one, the non-paid ones. Um, and once I got comfortable with that, that's when I applied for like actual paying roles and I saw on like Actors Access and stuff like that. And I got my first paid gig, uh, I think when I was 16. Yes, like really big paid gig. Um, and that was just working at the New York Haunted Hayride as a, I was essentially just Satan, but they labeled me church demon. I got to be in a cherry picker 40 feet in the air. It was great, though I got stuck sometimes. Um, <laughs> that was an experience. I can imagine. I feel like being a scare actor has like the most unique experiences because I, I, when I was a scare actor, some of the weirdest stuff that has ever happened to me as an actor happened when I was a scare actor. I feel like that kind of comes with the territory. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I feel like scare actors just have like the best stories. Of, like, oh yeah. Things. Uh, and when I when I was at the New York Concert Hayride, that's when I met my first manager because one of my friends on set was like, hey, uh, you have a, a look that my uh, manager is looking for. Do you want to audition for him? And I was like, yes, <laughs> absolutely. So I went through that, uh, I auditioned, I did the audition process for him, and he was like, absolutely, you have a unique look, and I was like, yes, fantastic. But I didn't tell him I was trans until like two years into the relationship. Uh, so fast forward to those two years, I um, 
because I was friends with him on Facebook, he saw me posting a lot of like trans advocacy stuff and he emails me and he's like, are you trans? And do you want to submit to trans roles? And I was like, sure, <laughs> absolutely. Um, and then he was, he was chill with it. And unfortunately that's the manager that ended up passing away. So I had to get new representation. Um, but he was fantastic about being trans, like, throughout the, the time that he was alive. Um, and then now my current agent, who is also the agent I had to come out as non-binary to because I originally introduced myself as a trans man to her, um, was very, it was very interesting because not a lot of people understand, like, you know, they, them pronouns and like non-binary. Everybody's just like, oh, you know, male or female, these are the two genders, blah, 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 blah. Um, so originally when I auditioned for her, I was like, how do you feel about trans people? Because I ain't, I'm not trying to be like uh, represented by someone who's like really transphobic or whatever. And she was like, I have a few transgender clients, but like, I would love to like meet over lunch and learn about you specifically. So I know how to best accommodate you. And I was like, Aww. absolutely. I want to be represented by you. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. And uh, so I think like four, five months in, I finally got the self-confidence to be like, actually, I'm non-binary because I had come to the realization like a couple years beforehand, but because I felt really insecure about telling people for fear they wouldn't understand, I was just like, oh yeah, I'm a trans man, even though I'm not. Um, so I sent her this long email and I was like, hey, I really just want to tell you I identify as non-binary. I want you to use they, them pronouns, especially if you're like pitching me to like commercial gigs or like film gigs or whatever and I want like casting directors to know I'm non-binary instead of just looking at me and being like oh you're a trans man um and she emailed me back immediately like 20 minutes later and was like yes absolutely thank you for telling me I'm not good at using they them pronouns but I'm gonna like you know make that effort um and then asked me like what type of roles would I be comfortable like do I just want like non-binary roles or like transgender male or whatever and I was like I, anything <laughs> like anything <laughs> and uh she's been such a sweetheart like I can go to her even for like mental health reasons because I had a full-on breakdown could not um meet the self-tape deadline that I needed to so I emailed her I was like listen I need to be honest I'm like dying right now <laughs> uh having a full mental breakdown like full panic attack she's like don't worry about it like asking me what I need support from her and I was like I've never had such support in an agent before of representation of anything I just felt so validated on all levels it's been amazing <laughs> that's like the dream when it comes to agents like it's not just an agent but also it sounds like a friend like a yeah. confidant which that's amazing and yeah. I'm, I'm really glad that you've had such good support because you often hear horror stories with agents. Oh. And, and I'm just, it's so nice to hear that not all agents are transphobic jerks, you know? Yes. Um, and that seems to be just like living proof of that in your experience with these two agents. Um, if you don't mind my asking, mm -hmm. uh, so how has being... Uh, trans masculine non-binary because it affects everyone's personal lives a little differently just very briefly it seems like it's for the most part hasn't had a tremendous weight on your professional career has yeah. it has it been as smooth in your personal life as well 
Um, it's it's weird because like I'm still in a type of mindset where I'm trying, especially in my personal relationships, where I'm like really trying to advocate for myself and be like, no, I use they them pronouns. Like I don't just want to let people use he him and then just let it slide anymore. Um, of course, like my close friends are like all on board with my they them pronouns, but more like acquaintances that I meet, especially on set. Um, and it's like, I'm trying to get to that point where I'm like, I have a right to like stand up for my pronouns, which I do. Um, and I feel like, especially introducing, I feel like being non-binary, I need to always introduce myself with my pronouns because otherwise people are just going to have the assumption that I'm male. Right. Um, and that on set is either hit or miss because you'll either have like the, especially younger crew members who are like more knowledgeable than like the 60 year old cis white man director. Yeah. <laughs> um, that is like, oh yeah, they them pronouns? Absolutely. Um, but like, Sometimes I've had had experiences on set, especially like indie films where people were just like, yeah, I'll respect your pronouns, then uses he, him like the rest of the day. Or like even I was on a set, I think like a year and a half ago, where I introduced myself with my pronouns in the email to the director because he was the one who reached out to me. And the entire time he called me she, her. And I was like, what part of this? of my body reads she her to you and also like and towards the end of the day he was like oh wait your pronouns are they them i'm so sorry and this is after like an eight hour shoot and i'm like sorry's not gonna cut it dude <laughs> like, no not after that long yeah. that's that's like eight levels of bullcrap right there that is nonsense yeah. i was like this no absolutely and then like I have a list of like directors where I'm just like, I don't want to work with anymore. So he was not put on that list. <laughs> That's horrible. Like just, you know, it's one thing where, you know, there's some pronouns that you're more cozy with than others. Like yeah. certain people, um, like I know certain people prefer they, them, but will be okay with he, him, but don't want to use she, her. And right. it's like when they go for the jab of using those pronouns, it's like, no, that's just rude. That mm -hmm. is disrespectful. That's, and I'm also looking at you right now and listening to you right now. I'm like, what part of you? <laughs> right? Right? Even like, even on the street, I still get misgendered as a girl and I don't see it. I don't see it. Like, I have, like, when I grow out my facial hair, like, it's very prominent. And I'm just like, there's no reason for you to be like, excuse me, miss, at the supermarket. There's no reason. <laughs> it's like, no, thank you. Just You just look at them in the deepest voice. You go as bass as you can. What? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> like, you just, you go as low as you can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, going a little off topic here. Um, mostly because I've had some other people uh, touch on this and you mentioned this when we were talking. Um, so like I'm from Indiana. There's not a huge acting scene uh, where I was from. I was born in a tiny little farm town, uh, which you can tell that comes out sometimes when I'm really angry or really drunk. You can hear the twang. <laughs> um, but I now live in Florida where there is a much larger acting scene. And right. you're stationed you're stationed you're based in new york <laughs> but you're not from new york right 
No, I was born in Venezuela and I was adopted by Italian people, um, which is very interesting to just grow up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that you're Venezuelan. Um, but I moved to Middle Village, Queens when I was around three, I think, two or three. Uh, and then I just bounced around with Queens, Brooklyn, Queens, Brooklyn. And then finally, when I moved out of my parents' house, I just, Manhattan life. <laughs> I currently live in Washington Heights. And uh, it's, yeah, that's that's been my New York experience. <laughs> so you've been in New York most of your life. Yeah. Okay, so what is, there's a lot of looking at New York with those tinted glasses. Like, the New York is the dream for actors, you know? Yeah. Like, New York or LA is like the dream for actors. Yeah. And I've met some people who have lived in New York, um, not usually actors, though, so they're not there for that dream. Uh, mm -hmm. But I was just curious, like, what has your experience been like with competition and with the kind of roles you've gotten, especially since you've come out as non-binary and are very open and adamant about you people respecting your pronouns and your mm -hmm. identity? Have you, have you felt that sway or change your path with getting roles or is it kind of just been still a steady? It's weird because especially in the film and TV world, casting directors have this very specific idea of what trans masculine is. Um, and if you don't meet that requirement, like they're not gonna cast you, which is stupid. Like from what I gather, the stereotype of trans masculine is gonna be like, not necessarily like a hyper masculine person, but like a like white tall skinny guy who's like, just like, oh yeah, I'm trans. I was born as a girl, like that type of bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's weird because the like if i'm applying for a trans role and then like i don't get it and then i see the material later it's always that like white man stereotype and it angers me so much because i am a five foot two latinx person yeah <laughs> like oh my god but um i don't think it's changed the pool too much because i like Casting directors know about non-binary, but at the very, very, very like fundamental level of it, like it exists to them. Right. Um, but I feel like because there's that lack of information, they're just defaulting to trans man for roles um, because they don't know what non-binary looks like, which I mean, non-binary doesn't have a look anyway. So they shouldn't have an idea of what non-binary looks like. Right. Um, and it's, it's both like it's it's just it's weird to navigate because there's always like these certain ideas of what people have and i don't think coming out as non-binary has changed it too much but it's definitely opened up more conversation about like really like i've gotten casting directors when i've walked in the room and been like oh i'm non-binary then be like really you don't look it what does that mean and i'm like oh boy this is a conversation we're having <laughs> like oh joy this is definitely what i was hoping for yep yippee <laughs> um i had a question oh remembered the question okay so yes. <laughs> when it comes to the types of roles you play do you have a favorite type or favorite types of roles to play and are those things that you are often cast as? Because after your question, I have a follow-up question to that. Okay. I usually get typecast as like college kid or especially edgy, edgy like artsy kid. Um, 
with like my piercings and I have stretched ears and everything. So there's just like, you know, emo child, alternative, whoever, <laughs> which is great uh, because my scene days are immediately brought back. <laughs> <laughs> Emo's not dead. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd say those are my favorite types of roles. I also like playing really edgy characters because like I played a role where I've uh, murdered someone on screen before. That was really interesting because when you view me in real life, you don't think, oh, this person's a killer. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I was like, yes, immediately going on my reel. <laughs> Yes, because I, I, I feel that because um, I I had a talk with another actor here recently, um, another transmasculine actor, and we got to talking about how there's this like bar that a lot of transmasculine actors aren't given the chance to play the really cruel, dark, edgy characters because it's like transmasculine is like, oh, they're soft boys, they're good oh, boys, yeah. they're <laughs> precious little sweet boys. And... I, I, with the kind of work I do, um, I do primarily murder mystery parties, like immersive in a person clue. Uh, and because I am either playing victims or murder suspects, I'm usually a jerk bag because there's a reason they died or there's a reason they would likely commit murder. And I didn't realize just how much I like playing the scummiest scum characters until that was ended up being like all I play. <laughs> and then, you know, you look back on roles that you played ages ago. And before I came out as trans and was presenting very hyper femininely, I mm-hmm. only ever played the moms. I literally have played six moms. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah. I, in one show, I did one show where I played characters in three different scripts for college. All three shows, I was the mom. Oh my god. <laughs> three of them. I had three different dresses, three different scarves, three different lipsticks, and I was like, all right, this is this is how we're doing it. Um, but I, I either played the very soft mom or the femme fatale. That was it. Yeah. That was it. And now that I've come out and I'm refusing female roles, uh, now that I'm this far on HRT, it would be ludicrous for me to play a female role. It wouldn't work that well. Um, I walk up there at a dress and go, well, hey there. You know? And I would also look very uncomfortable because I would be uncomfortable. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But I, like, I always like to know like people's favorite types of roles. And it's interesting how many queer and trans people are like let me play the villain let me play the the, the dirt bag please just because it's kind of that indulgence of power mm-hmm. that was that was how it was put to me is like just the sense of at least in that scene you get to pretend that i have some power over my life right now yeah. <laughs> you know so i kind of wanted to especially with the trans masculine curse of being perceived as a high schooler, even yeah. if you are in your mid-twenties and have been able to legally drink for years, yeah. you will be carded over everything. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm 5'7", and I still have people looking at me going, uh-uh, 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 ID, ID. <laughs> like, oh, no. I'm almost 25, ma'am, I swear. <laughs> but... Uh, all right. So before we wrap up, uh, I just want to ask is if you had someone kind of seated in front of you, who is where you were when you were much earlier on in finding yourself and getting into the entertainment industry, what's, what sort of advice would you give to them 
to try and steer them towards happiness and success? Like what advice would you give your younger self or someone in your shoes? Um, definitely that you have worth, like, don't let anyone take advantage of you, especially on like unpaid shoots. Like you have the right to stand up for yourself and your pronouns and all that. Like you are, and you're also just allowed to like explore your identity however you want. Like you don't need to force yourself into any sort of mold to like fit into a role or like make sure that you get cast as some certain type of thing because like you just have to be yourself. You have to bring yourself to these roles and you are good enough the way that you are. So yes. <laughs> Oh, I love it. And last is, do you have a favorite memory on set or like a favorite role you've played? Because I, I always like to, I want to start ending on high notes of saying, okay, tell me like your one of your favorite acting stories. Yes, I can think of one so clearly. So it's the thing that got me my SAG eligibility. I was on Broad City. Um, I was on the episode Abby's Mom. I think it's like season five, episode four, or something like that. Or maybe season four, episode five. I don't remember. One of those. <laughs> and um, I was in a scene with Perry Gilpin and, um, you know, Abby and Alana. Uh, and I basically was like, so I, <laughs> the scene was in a sex shop. I was a goth employee in a sex store. I was decked out. My hair was straightened, floppy. I had my nails painted. They put black lipstick on me. This shoot, by the way, was at 1 a.m. <laughs> it was, I was so tired. Like, my call time was 11.30 p.m. Um, and I was like, all right. It was in the middle of, like, Brooklyn somewhere uh, and along the L train. And I was so tired by the time, like, makeup called me and hair and everything. And basically, my role was to sell this thing called a mom pack to Perry Gilpin, which was basically a box full of sex toys catered to single mothers who, like, want to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> and so we did multiple takes of this. And each and every time, Perry Gilpin would turn on the vibrator and just start poking me with it like a sword. <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, this is this is a tie because it was like also the first time that I had been on like a really like big production set like that so I had no idea what to expect so I'm here like all stiff and professional and Perry Gilpin just comes at me with a vibrator I'm like yeah this is fine oh that's that's amazing I always love stories like that when you get to work with like really talented people or just really chill people and just being absolute goofs on set you yeah. know just absolute goofs but thank you so much, Matt, for joining me today. Uh, where can our lovely listeners at home or wherever the heck they're listening to this, uh, <laughs> where can they find you on social media? I'm most active on Instagram, which is just my name, Matt Pacini Official. Uh, and then my Twitter is just Matt Pacini, which I, I just like, I shitpost on Twitter. <laughs> like, that's what you're up for if you follow me there. <laughs> it's pretty great though, honestly, as someone who follows their Twitter. I've enjoyed it so far. <laughs> uh, and on our Twitter and Instagram promo, promo posts for this episode, I will be tagging them so you can just follow straight through there. If you are listening to this on YouTube, I will put the link in the links to their stuff in the description. And also if the little episode bio will have it there. And also, if you would like to listen to more of the, the Queer experience, you can find us on Podbean and Spotify at the moment. We will soon also be on 
YouTube as well as Apple Podcasts. I believe, yes, Apple Podcasts, that's what it is. I know things <laughs> that is correct about me. <laughs> and uh, please be sure to join in for every week. We are going to have new guests coming on and discussing being a part of the LGBT plus community and as well as being a part of the entertainment world. So this has been your host, Casper Oliver, joined by Matt Piscini. Yeah. Yeah. And don't forget... All the world's a stage, so give them one hell of a show. Stay safe, much love to you all, and stay beautiful. Bye-bye.